the Actor CEO Podcast, Episode 30. If I don't like your choices or understand why you would do something, I bet if I got inside your given circumstances, I bet if I understood your crisis and, and your joys and all of the things that make the totality of who you are as a human being, I still might not like what you do, but I would understand and I would be empathic towards it. Going up. You're an actor, but you're also a business. Take control of your career by learning how to manage it like a boss. Be driven. Be responsible. Be in control. Be an actor CEO. And now, your host, Mike Moreno. Hello again and welcome to the Actor CEO Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this journey of learning, exploration, and dedication. If you want to keep getting these tips and tricks from industry pros, established actors, and the fabulous hardworking artists we bring on this program, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. That way, when you're on the go to your next audition, commuting home from work, or even at the gym, you can take a moment to listen and get some serious insight into building a better career by becoming an actor CEO. Let's say hello to Elizabeth Davis. Elizabeth, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Yeah, all the way out here at the Terra Nicky Bronco Studios in Brooklyn. I met him myself. I accidentally walked into his office. Oh, he awesome. Said, hey, Terry. He said, hey. Super nice guy, right? So you're playing Goneril in King Lear, right? Uh, so I'd love to get sort of a, a backstory of how you got up to this point because, I mean, you've, you've got certainly a very impressive resume. Uh, you've worked in a number of theaters, 59th Street, East 59th Street, Theater Row, New World Stages, and of course, uh, you work on, uh, the Jim Gaffigan show, Blue Buds, uh, Broadway, and, uh, once, which is where you received your Tony nomination for playing Reza, right? Once was the first time that Kind of my training and then my um, my growing up kind of fused and mm. it was this moment of seeing like <clears throat> the real direction that musical theater has taken truly which is like this this fusion the synthesis of mm. of of instruments and and it, it's just it's just the whole it's the whole kit and caboodle mm. is that a southern thing kit and caboodle <laughs> it might be Okay. We can Google that, that means, right that now. That means everything. <laughs> that means all the stuff combined. So yeah. you just throw everything. The whole kitchen sinks yeah. in, in, in the in the mix there. So it was the first time that I was able to put all of my skill sets together, and um, it was uh, it was a really pure experience. Um, and then I did John Doyle's Allegro, which was uh, equally as beautiful and meaningful to me. But um, I left once to do Brecht because I was like, hold on. Uh, I'm a classical theater performer. Right. Uh, so I want to, I want to be really specific about what I'm saying about who I am as an artist. And right. I said that about myself and now I want to go back and say something else about myself. Um, so Brecht, uh, it was the Caucasian chalk circle and mm -hmm. it was a good choice for me personally because Duncan Sheik was doing the music, but it was still like heavy, meaty classical Brecht. So. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, I, I've known Alberto for a long time and I respect him. I think his work is fantastic and uh, I think Austin is exciting and fantastic and he's committed to the work mm. and um, I really wanted to just get into a classical theater piece that let me relish in the beauty and the simplicity of the work itself. Yeah. Right, yeah. So you're playing Goneril in the show, right? Yeah. And what is it that a character like Goneril has that you haven't maybe explored in some of the other uh, work that you've done so far? She's a pretty powerful... She's a powerful Powerful being. I think that... Okay, th this is how I'm thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So, we can either look at Goneril as like 
as the one one note of B flat, right?、Mm. Like we can just pound that note to death and be like, she she's in this she's in a minor key. She's in this like dark key. Right. However, in order to really fully understand the character, we got to play all the notes of that chord, right? And right. so otherwise, that you truly get. A one-note performance,、right. and we don't. No, no one, no person in the world is a, a is just one thing, right? right? We are variations and shades and tones and tritones and whistle tones of all kinds of different、um, of different things. And so, I think that it's my job to take this this hard, difficult, difficult to justify character and say, where is she hurt? Where has she been abused?、Mm-hmm. Where has she?、Um, where is she jealous? Where, like all of those things that happen to every person,、um, I think we're also in a really interesting time to deal with that question because、mm. we're in such extreme positions.、Right. We are.、Um, we're. We're in this labeltastic culture right now, where it's you are one thing or you are the other, and that's completely uninteresting. We're all bored to death of it. You know, it's. We're bored to death that we can't have nuanced, grayish conversations that lead us to deeper understanding. So, what interests me about Goneril in this specific time in this specific play、right. is、uh, is showing that people slash women that tend to look one specific way may be painfully nuanced,、mm. and、uh, we just need to give them the chance before play. <laughs> To watch their journey, even if we don't like their their choices, right? Right. If I don't, if I don't like your, cho- I'm sure I like all your choices. <laughs> But I'm saying, if I if I don't like your choices or understand why you would do something, I bet if I got inside your given circumstances, I bet if I understood your crisis and and your joys and all of the things that make the totality of who you are as a human being. I, I still might not like what you do, but I would understand and I would be empathic towards it.、Mm. So. I think that's、uh, what excites me about Goneril. Yeah, and I think that Shakespeare does that in a really great way, in a really deep way,、uh, especially exploring power through King Lear and, and certainly a number of others. His other productions deals with powerful women and powerful men and how they balance that and、yeah. the depth of character that is really there.、Yeah. So, what is it about、uh, Shakespeare in general that really attracts you as an artist and and brings you back to something that's off? Broadway and or in a in another theater in another venue to keep coming back and exploring his type of work. Well, I I think he was such a scientist. He was、uh, he's very clear about what he wants us to feel. In、mm-hmm. that he gives us iambic pentameter.、Mm-hmm. He gives us、um, the variation of the iambic the iambic pentameter in such a way that gives us an indication of what we're to feel.、Mm-hmm. Um, if a phrase is short, if we have an extra beat of a line. There's something emotionally. That's an emotional cue. Like he's、right. telling me what the character is feeling. Like there's there's、um, there's very little subtext in Shakespeare. It's like if a, if a character is dealing with subtext, it's gonna go have a soliloquy off by you know off by themselves. So I feel as if、um, Shakespeare can often feel very like there's a layer between us and the text,、mm. mm-hmm. and I feel that that is that's I think that's not true. Um, if if done, if done well,、um, so I keep coming back to his work because the words are, the words are king,、right. the words are delicious, the words are well placed. The,、um, there is there's not a lot of fluff. It is it is poetry. It is 
yeah. So, I mean, we could get into the whole historical context of like, yeah, but did he really write it? And, you know, like he was just churning these things out for the king or the queen or whatever, right. you know, monarch said, you got to do this or I'll kill you. Right. Uh, but I, I do think we are so inundated with like in a pop culture, reality TV, this instant gratification world. Uh, it's good to go back to things that require us to be still and sit and, and have to digest right. and not just regurgitate, uh, but really let the text matriculate in, um, in a powerful way. Yeah, I completely agree. Very well said. Hey, actors, what if I told you you could take acting class with Kevin Spacey or Dustin Hoffman? You'd freak out, right? And then you'd ask, okay, how much? Masterclass is an online learning service that gives you access to acting classes with these master actors for just 90 bucks. You can't even rent rehearsal space in New York City for that much, and you get hours of exclusive footage you won't find anywhere else, worksheets and templates, and a community forum to connect you with other passionate performers. This is access you can't find elsewhere, and the knowledge that these two titans of film and stage delivering these courses is priceless. Click the link on the homepage at ActorCEO.com or find it on the resources page at ActorCEO.com slash resources. Masterclass provides phenomenal content, so don't miss your chance to learn from the greats. Now back to the show. Since we're on a, uh, an acting podcast, uh, I'd like to dive in you know, with one question a little bit deeper into the acting side, <laughs> which is, uh, in your experience... Going through auditioning with Shakespeare and working in productions, are there any sort of challenges that you've found either coming out of school and then learning how to do it over and over and over again that have been challenges in terms of bridging that, that divide that you said that sometimes it can feel like it's a very separate thing from you? Mm -hmm. And then how have you met those challenges and been able to overcome it so that you can keep coming back in into an audition scenario or an, into a production scenario where you're repeating a lot of the same work, a lot, you know, there's only so much material you have to go with, yeah. but how can you bring yourself to it every time and meet that challenge and, and come with something unique um, and truthful? I remember this teacher I had, a Shakespeare teacher named Jeff Bullen, who came from the Royal Academy, and he came to my MFA program. And his whole MO was getting the text out of the mouth and getting it into the body, mm. which is, that's any text, right? But he completely demystified it in this way uh, where we just, you know, we're rolling on the ground. I think the phrase was we're stomping and saying beast, beast, ready to act. And it was just, there was a sense of play that he brought to the text um, that made it feel, it, it became kinesthetic. It became right. visceral. It, it was not, because anytime you're on stage, if you're, if you're heady about it, if you were... Um, if you're not working from instinct, it's just going to be flat and not real. Right. So I think the same thing goes for um, this text. Is like once, once you feel the rhythm of the text viscerally, um, and you combine that with intention and objective, then it it, it, it feels like any other play. It feels, it just feels as if you're working inside a character that could easily be mammoth, you know, because that. That dialogue is just as delicious and juicy. Yeah. So, uh, I do remember too. I was working on Measure for Measure uh, with with Jeff, and he talked about going into the Red Mist, which is, I think, a terribly a World War Two term of like the soldiers going into like battle mm. and like not having any idea of where they were in space and time, but mm. just literally having to fight and battle, which is a horrifying image. 
but um, and not that I think acting is any way, shape, or form synonymous with that at all. I'm not saying that, but but it did serve to um, to give me the image of just going going into the instinct of what the text wants to give you, and not yeah, not being in your head. I think that's it. Yeah. And, and I think that translates into any piece I'm working on, whether you know whether it's measure for measure or whether it's going to be king there. Right. Um, so, yeah, like breathing is breathing, whether you're in Argentina or Arkansas. <laughs> like text is text, whether it's Shakespeare or it's Lynn Nottage. Right. And it's just finding it's just finding the nuance of style. But yeah, words are words. Mm. And once we get out of our heads and we get in our bodies, like I, I think that that's the, that's the key to the kingdom. Yes, nicely done. Hey, actors, if you want to show your love for this show and all the amazing info we get from our guests, head to ActorCEO.com slash resources to buy your next book on acting, your next piece of self-tape gear, or your next awesome video series like Acting Shakespeare. You're going to make that purchase anyway, and this way you can show a little support for this podcast you love and all the people that make it happen. Thank you for joining me on this journey, and I cannot wait to keep delivering great guests and outstanding info on how to treat your career like a business throughout the year. Now, back to the show. I'd love to ask you, so um, thanks for being on again, Elizabeth, and sharing your time and insight with us and our yeah, listeners. But uh, what are you most looking forward to? What excites you most about jumping into this process with King? I have no expectation, which mm. I like. I have no, and by, by that I mean, I have no idea what I'm going to discover. Uh, I feel quite blank slate-ish about what this woman wants to become. And that's exciting. And I feel as if, um, yeah, I just want to show up in a room with other wonderful artists and I want to create something new and unique. Um, I think that that's really a saving grace right now is to just show up and do your work and not, I heard a Denzel Washington interview recently where he's like, um, I'm not an extraordinary man. I have an extraordinary job. Mm. And I think that that was really beautiful. Um, again, <laughs> in no way she performed it, so Washington or anywhere close to it. <laughs> but I think that that's, um, I, I think many artists should take that up. The thought that, you know what, we're not, we are not in battle. Right. We are not uh, having to do manual labor. We get the privilege of sitting in a room and just playing. Right. However, that work can be deep and meaningful if it is allowed, if it is, um, if everyone is around the table to create such an experience. Yes. Yes. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and on the, uh, live stream on Facebook. Um, yeah, we all look so much forward to uh, seeing the production and seeing your work in it and, uh, seeing Austin and seeing what, uh, uh, Alberto who's directing it has put together. Uh, thanks for joining us on the live stream. If you want to check out everything that's going on with the Actor CEO podcast, you can always go to actorceo.com and you can follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at actorceo. And as always, you can listen and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can find all the resources for this episode in the show notes at actorceo.com slash 31. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the Actor CEO podcast on iTunes and at actorceo.com.